0: What does it mean to be a Christian apologist? What does it mean to practice Christian apologetics in our local church here in the state of Alabama? I asked those two questions to creative director Shannon Poe and new writer and content creator for Tactical Faith, Jason Limbaugh. Join us for Tactical Faith Radio.
1: This is a way to Let's be honest. Talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. believing God. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio.
0: Welcome to Tactical Faith. I'm Matt Burford. I am here with two of my favorite friends that I hope become regulars. Uh, both of them I've known, I guess, five, six, seven years since I moved back to Birmingham. Uh, the first one is Shannon Poe. Shannon Poe has been on our board for a while now, and he also uh, does something very important for Tactical Faith, which is ha- handling with our graphics and our website. We have another ministry that we worked with who says you all stuff, is awesome. Y'all stuff looks great. And in fact, this particular person has made it to where we look bigger than we actually are because he's such a talented person. His name is Shannon Poe. Say hello, Shannon Poe. Hello, Shannon Poe. And we'll get back to him for a second. The second person that's on today is a good friend of ours, a very deep thinker. He has done very many things in his life. Uh, Actually, he is one of our new writers to push content out And we have a new article that we're going to talk about. His name is Jason Limbaugh. Say hello, Jason.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Yeah, let's start first um, before we go anywhere else. Let's talk about, let me give you a chance to talk about yourself, Jason. Then we'll get to Shannon a little bit about himself. Uh, Tell me why you decided to start writing for Tactical Faith. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. And tell me something about the Christian faith that really gets you going.
2: All right. So uh so uh not really a, a, a tremendous, tremendously compelling story. Uh but uh I I work for a, a software firm here in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm married, I have uh, two kids, Amanda's my wife, uh kids, Connor and Olivia. And um uh kind of what got me uh moving in this direction uh was just a kind of an a a growing appreciation and a growing interest in apologetics and, and really what I felt like it had to offer the culture, especially given the direction that we're, we're heading these days. Things are definitely becoming uh, more secular. It is becoming more and more difficult to just simply uh, preach the gospel, you know, unadorned, without argument, without uh, any kind of explanation or any kind of answers for people. And uh, so as I started moving in that direction, you know, I've, I've known Shannon for a long time. Um, he had been involved in tactical faith, and so just kind of coming in, seeing what you guys were doing, really appreciating it and and wanting to become uh, more involved in it.
0: What do you think about the word apologist? What does it mean to you? And do you consider yourself a a Christian apologist?
2: Uh, Actually, you know, I I don't really so much consider myself a Christian apologist. I I think that word is a little bit above me. Uh, I don't consider myself a philosopher. Oh,
1: be honest. You know it's below you. It's so beneath you, Limbaugh. It's not even funny.
2: But you know, I think the the word is kind of is kind of loaded. Uh, I think for people, uh, especially in the unbelieving community, uh, there's a, a growing familiarity with with apologetics, what it means, what it does, the arguments we use, and I think to a certain degree, uh, the term is is seen as somewhat pretentious. Amongst people that you know that really uh, understand the arguments that we're giving and are are giving rebuttals back, so I don't really refer to myself as an apologist, or really even see myself that way. I, my ambition, uh, whether I'm successful with it or not, is another story. But my ambition is just to be thoughtful about my faith, and to try to provoke others, whether believing or unbelieving, to be thoughtful about these things too.
1: I get that. I mean, uh this is Shannon. So I'm I'm already talking too much, but I, I I get the idea. I mean, I I don't I don't like the idea the nomenclature of apologist. I mean, I don't have anything against being apologetic in my approach and things like that, but like I, I wouldn't want to I would never want to call even if I felt like I was a Biola grad, I don't know. Maybe I would if I was a Biola grad, But I don't know that I would want to call myself an apologist. It just doesn't seem like the right thing. I just want to be a follower of Jesus, man.
0: Well, I think the term comes, like Jason said, it comes loaded with all these assumptions. Like an apologist means this is what you're doing for a living. This is how you're getting paid. This is how you're putting food on the table. And just like we think of ministers, right? You think the word, are you in ministry? Uh, What comes with that is you must be paid to do what you do
1: correct? Sure. I mean, uh, so I I guess it's, and and Limbaugh, please jump back in at any point in time, man. But uh, I mean, I know that that we have certain designations within the ministry, like the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers and preachers. And, you know, I mean, there's definitely those kind of classifications in the New Testament, but like, maybe, maybe it's just a product of my my, my, my mentality, my own kind of my own net inside of my head that, that keeps me from wanting to put too many labels on myself, you know, outside of a follower of Jesus. I don't know. Well, I mean, just think right. about, t- go ahead, Jason. I'm
2: sorry. I was going to say, uh, I, I think, uh, something else to think about too when it, when it comes to apologetic is really that uh, apologetic is more of an approach than it is an office or a title okay we we've, we've kind of made it into that, and I think one of the traps that we can fall into when we begin to embrace that as an office or a title um, and, and when we begin to own it and want to uh, see ourselves as apologists and want other people to to recognize us that way, then a lot of times what can happen uh, is we lose simplicity, we, we want to demonstrate the scope and the breadth of our understanding. Uh, I think that's just human nature. It's part of the the fallenness and the pride that we all deal with, and and then things get uh, get obscured. And and that's the worst is when that happens and it obscures the gospel. And so uh, one of the you know kind of a, a riff on the the old statement that's been uh, probably wrongly attributed to Saint Francis. It, it's been said that he he made the statement, "Preach the gospel, and if you must use words, we've all heard that." Uh, I've kind of modified it for an apologetics approach, and what I say is preach the gospel, and if you must use apologetics. Uh, so for me, the use of apologetics would, would be this, is, uh, is I'm going to give the gospel a chance. I'm going to give the Holy Spirit a chance
1: uh, in the
2: heart and the mind and the ear of the listener. But if if either that person's questions, their objections, or yes, even demonic forces would try to derail of that then apologetics uh, provides a, a way of answering the question answering the objection and then kind of pulling it back in to the main point which is the cross and the resurrection
0: so that's what we we've, we've tried to do with tactical faith right I mean we say we are an apologetic organization but we're more than that right I mean from the since 2011 since we started doing our events Jason and you to some degree Shannon have found tactical faith compelling because not because we're training apologetics, but we're trying to, we're trying to help other Christians think thoughtfully about their faith. But not only that, we want to help them become more robust to have a more Mm. well-rounded faith and a more well-rounded character and personality. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I definitely, at least, I mean, I'm totally biased. I'm a big fan of tactical faith. Don't get me wrong, you know, so take this with a grain of salt or don't because I'm right. Um, but the, I, I want tactical faith, and I think that we are a, um, we, you said robust, right? I, I, I want us to be more than just about apologetics within the church. We want to be not just a salve, to, uh, to the church, which is our main ministry, right? Which it's not necessarily to people outside of the church, though we, we don't mind doing that. We really want to bring a robust Christian faith internally into the church and interject, inter- interject that love of, of the mind back into the church and and, and help people along that way, right?
0: Oh, I totally agree, and that's the yeah, way we. I, I think that's what got. I, I remember Jason from even the Montgomery event in 2012 or 11 when we brought the Shroud of Turin. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't you come to that one, Jason? I did. Mm-hmm. So you're going. You're visiting. What you're going. You're traveling two hours to come to Montgomery to come to hang out with us. One of the thing about Tactical Faith was not only are we putting on events. But usually guys, like to, guys and gals like to hang out after events and we talk and we have fellowship and we try to engender and create relationships. And Jason and, and you, Shannon, are kind of the product of what Tactical Faith does. And I don't think any other apologetic organization does that or any other nonprofit organization is, is bent, at least in terms of the life of the mind, and that's our mission has tried to figure out a way to be relationship building, and also in doing that, we want to create and help and foster and facilitate the life of the mind, mm. and I think that's what has made us different.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I can I can tell you this: if uh, you know, I you know, if if you guys had come to me and said, "Hey, could you throw us an article every now and again?" You know, show up to an event. You know, I yeah, I'm happy to do that. But I, I can't invest myself uh, in an organization or in a ministry that doesn't have that relational aspect. And that is really what has excited me most about my participation with Tactical Faith is just the fast friendship that I've found and, um, and, and the just the spontaneity in our discussion of these things. Uh, it, there's never anything contrived about it. Uh, there's never anything deliberate about it. We all just share uh, a similar passion and a similar trajectory with the stuff, and um, and we get together and and we wind up speaking to one another. And if it really is truly, you know, as the scripture says, it really is a, a situation of iron sharpening iron. And uh, and whenever I have the opportunity to spend time with you guys, I always leave uh, with a lot of rumination, a lot of things that I'm thinking through, and 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 much better for it.
0: Because that's the way the church is supposed to function, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's shift a little bit to the content that you've been creating. You have an article out from February 20th that Shannon has posted on our website called Sowing Good Seed into Cracked Foundations. Uh, If you had to give me a a little small snippet of what that article is or what the core of the article is trying to argue, uh, what would that be?
2: Yeah, the core of the article is, is really, really simple. And it it really comes from some personal mistakes that I've I've made uh, with witnessing opportunities with people who had um, significant, compelling, or more in-depth questions or objections to to my faith. Um, And that was this, is, is the, you know, the mistake that I would make is to hear their question, hear their objection, and immediately take it at face value without exploring any more deeply underneath. And only later did I begin to realize that that I was missing some opportunities by getting entangled in all the branches of their argument and never getting down underneath to the root of, of what those questions were built on and finding that sometimes when I did explore those roots or I did explore those foundations, then the structures, the questions and the objections built on top of those foundations really were not sound and they really were not solid. So the article is, it's an appeal to uh, consider that as an approach. When somebody brings you a question or an objection, don't just take it at face value. Don't automatically assume that that question or that objection is legitimate. Think a little bit more deeply. Is there a root or is there a foundation underneath that is actually producing a, a faulty question, an illegitimate question, if we can deal with that root or deal with that foundation then all of the other questions that are built on top of it will just automatically come toppling down.
1: I mean, it's it's almost a. I, I love the article, and it 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 reminded me of kind of a presuppositional approach, without being presuppositionally arrogant, I guess. And, and no offense to any of our presup friends out there, um, but the the idea of taking a thing more more really more than presuppositional approach, it it to me it's kind of more more Chestertonian, if that's a word. It it the like GK Chesterton, he would take an argument that people would just kind of take for granted and he'd turn it back upside down and all of a sudden you realize that you were looking at it upside down this whole time and it's actually now right side up. So the the gist of the article, if I can just get back into that is that um, one of the things that you point out was uh, Bertrand Russell's idea of a hidden God, right? And I I love that idea because you, you brought out in the article, you know, Bertrand Russell wrote a whole book on why he wasn't a Christian. So obviously, the God of the Bible was not all that hidden to him. If he's taking time to write about why he rejects the person of Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, and that you know that I think that uh it's just it's an interesting thought to me that someone, you know, his it, basically Bertrand Russell was asked, you know, if you if you die and and you discover that God was really real after all, then what will you say to him? And Bertrand Russell said, well, I will say, sir, why did you take such great pains to hide yourself? And, uh, and one of the first things I do in the article is to is to try to give some biblical responses to that, um, and and kind of undermine the assumption that Russell is making, which is that God is hidden from us, that we we are he is so beyond our perception, he has uh, cloaked himself from us so thoroughly that whether he exists or not, we're justified in our unbelief, right? So if I just take him, if I just take that objection as, as legitimate, I'm going to get off course very quickly, right? Because I think the biblical testimony on a number of levels is that God is not hidden from us. He's He's trying to be perceived by us. He's trying to be found by us, okay? So we deal with that uh, scripturally a bit in the article, uh, but Ben Shannon, to your point, you know, um, he did write a, one of his more well-known books was uh, was called "Why I'm Not a Christian," and I'm sure that if you had asked Bertrand Russell, "Well, who is Jesus Christ? What what did he do? You know, what is the central act of Christianity, which is the cross?" Um, asked him about you know certain concepts like the resurrection, the divinity of Jesus. I mean, he was you know he was a 20th uh, 20th uh, century Brit. He, he knew all these things, and uh, but you know it, it really kind of just undermines this idea that God is so hidden, you know, when he knows so much, not just about God, but the greatest expression of God's specific revelation, which is his son, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, that and that that was one of the things that it was, once you brought it out, like so many things that that I read in Chesterton, once, once it's brought out and fleshed out, really simply, maybe in just a couple of sentences, all of a sudden you're like, duh, that makes so much sense. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I really like the article. I want you to write more stuff like that. It's, it was great. Um,
0: and let me ask you a question, though. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. Let's think about the kind of person uh, that you're writing about. The Assume that there's this ideal person that can share the faith like Jesus Christ. Give me kind of the characteristics of what that ideal person looks like. Uh,
2: it, as far as the ones who is speaking to the unbeliever, is that yeah. what, what we're saying here? Yeah, Correct. Um, that, that's a really important point. It was one of the things that I, I tried to clarify in the piece. Uh, it, it is in a footnote, so if anybody is compelled to, to read the article, I would encourage them to read the footnotes because that's where I bring some some clarification of these ideas. But one of the the verses that uh, that I bring up is is a verse that the Apostle Paul used in Second Corinthians, where he says he makes the statement that he says, uh, "For we we destroy argument, you know, in every high and lofty idea that it exhausts itself against the knowledge of God." And one of the things that I, I did want to clarify in the article was I think we can easily mistake sometimes Paul's language, especially when he says things like that. Uh, it's kind of been endorsing a certain kind of a militancy you know and uh and I, I don't think that that is is what Paul meant for us to take away from that verse. I think that he meant to embolden us not to make us obnoxious and uh and and prideful and self assured and inflexible right so one of the things that we we have to do uh when we're when we're using this approach with uh with unbelievers is The first thing we have to do we have to listen. There, there is a there is with those who are even willing to open their mouths and witness for the gospel. um, There is a there is a crisis of listening. We don't listen, and and if we are letting the other person speak, what we're usually doing is just thinking about what we're going to say next. We're not really listening to them. It's imperative, first of all, that we listen. Second of all, you know you can't just then retort. Well, you know, the Bible says this, and your logic is all jacked up for reasons X, Y, and Z. You, you can't do that to the people. You have to follow uh, Peter's instruction, which is to, to be ready to give a reason for your hope, but to do this with gentleness and respect. So you have to be tactful in the way that you deal with people. They have emotions. They have minds. They're not made out of wood. And so what we have to do is we have to be gentle in the way that we approach this. You don't want someone to feel shut down. You don't want them to feel invalidated. You know, So a lot of times what I will do is I'll say, okay, well, that, that's a really interesting thought. I hear what you're saying. Have you ever considered this? There's there's a a, a passage in the Scripture that I think speaks to this. What, what do you think about this passage in light of what you're saying? And just kind of see if, if you can open up the conversation or take it down a different direction by now getting them to answer back to you, if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, this this idea in our culture, we have such a gotcha moment. I know me and Matt have talked about that. We maybe even mentioned it on some past podcasts. This, this idea of, you know, I am going to rule this argument, and I am going to get you, and you're going to be just, you're going to be stuck without a word and defenseless against my powerful point. I I I don't think that's ever the thing that we want to do as Christians. And I I think that for the most part we we are trying to engage people in dialogue and honestly and forthrightly. And so, you know, I I know some people some some people might have a goodness. Some people might have an issue with, with Greg Kokel's tactics, right? But for me, whenever, and I and I say that, they would have issues with Greg Kokel's tactics because they feel like it's a handbook for manipulating a conversation in your favor. But whenever I first read that book, it became a handbook for me to continue the conversation and help open up a conversation and dig deeper into people's thoughts and, and minds. And so... The, those those two different aspects of so many I, get, I guess that's the we started this podcast off talking about why we don't necessarily want to be labeled as apologists and I think that that's one of those things that people think of when they think about someone who says oh yes I'm an apologist you know it's they they're just like oh we're going to have a conversation the first thing he's going to do is try to get me cornered So that, so that I feel like I've got no place to move in the conversation. We want people to be able to move around, not to say that there's not a place where, where you kind of authoritatively come forth with the word of God, but it doesn't seem like that's that it, it doesn't seem like that's as, as effective as what you were talking about, Jason.
2: Yeah, I, I, and that's been that's just been my experience, and I think also uh, in this day and age, we're we're just get, it's like you were saying we're in in th- we're in a culture where there's so much hostility when there's any kind of disagreement, everybody is is trying to get their gotcha moment in on the other person. It just it seems like we're now getting to a place where um, where the the idea of what we used to do uh, when I became a Christian back in the late '80s, early '90s uh the days of just being able to kind of you know have have a, a a moment with somebody that you encounter on the street and you have a conversation and they're open they listen and you give them something to think about as they walk away it almost seems like those days are about over. and um and and what we're really going to have to be looking at, at uh, more now is how we can build relationships and and how we can continue the dialogue
1: now you mean uh, now? Whenever you say that, what do you what do you mean specifically? Do you mean like culturally in the South, in Alabama specifically, where where me and you have, where all three of us have been living our entire lives? You do you, do you mean that you feel like there is something that has been lost culturally in the last fifteen to twenty years? That oh,
2: absolutely, I, absolutely. Now I don't think that it is. I don't think it is as pronounced uh, where we are. As it is in other parts of the country, but there is there's there's absolutely, without any shadow of a doubt, there is uh, less respect and more resistance to to uh, to you know, if you just have a kind of a chance encounter with somebody, and uh, and you try to to bring the gospel up, and and I can give you some some uh, specific example of what I mean by that is that uh, 15 years ago, um, you could you could open the subject with someone you could you could you know most of the time you could uh you could sense uh, uh it was a you know kind of a, uh, a this, there's a weird tension that comes into play when somebody is uh is what i call feeling convicted they get very quiet they they won't look you in the eye and you kind of know that they're hearing and they're not being combative they're not being argumentative they're kind of taking it in and if they do raise objection at any point, it, it's usually kind of kind of weak, and they feel unsure and uncertain of themselves. And um, and and you know that they they've left thinking. Now that doesn't mean that it's always that way. I'm just saying that, that on the whole, that was my experience. Anyway, and um, and now uh, I would say that the the majority of the time, you're going to get some kickback. Um, and and the weird part about it, to me. Is just how many people here in the Bible Belt South have imbibed the arguments and the ideas of people like Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Chris Hitchens, Dan Bennett, the, the Four Horsemen of the New Atheism, as they're called. They may not even know where they have gotten these ideas from. They may be picking them up from YouTube. They may be picking them up off Facebook or other message boards. But you're 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 not just getting resistance. You're now getting counter arguments. So much more frequently than you ever did back in the night, even here where we live.
0: Don't mm. you think some of it um, is that we're no—I'm talking about Christians. Um, do you believe we're? Do you believe we're curious anymore as Christians? Curious about the yeah. world we live in. Curious about the world that which God created. Like sometimes I wonder, even though that I'm from Alabama and I've lived pretty much central Alabama all my life the idea of what does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? When I was, when I was made anew, um, when I gave my life over to Christ I was very young. So I was six years old. So I, you know, I've been the Lord's a long time, but sometimes maybe i lull myself into forgetting that I am. I am owned by somebody I'm owned by the Lord who sits on the throne and my home is not here, but, where I live at the moment is temporary and should be a curious place in the sense of as an ambassador, I'm going out seeing a new what the Lord has in terms of an opportunity for me. What does he have as a, as a growth opportunity for me? And when I see other people that are image bearers, even in the locations by which I live in, there should be, a, there should be almost a child filled curiosity about what makes this person tick. Is there a way that I can talk to this person about the light that's in my light? Um, I do some work for the Alabama Baptist. I do some contract work for them, and they're they're talking about bringing in a an old an old kind of methodology of sharing the faith, but it's called Jesus sharing Jesus without fear. And as I was looking over kind of the, the program, I got to thinking, what's fearful about sharing the faith? I've never had fear about sharing the faith. I've been fearful about not having adequate answers, I guess. But when I treat people as an image bearer living the same life I do, and I have a, an awesome pr- privilege and responsibility to speak to people about the Lord that changed my life when I was six, well isn't that a different starting point
2: yeah you would you would think that it would be and um and I, I think that you know what you were you know what you were saying about about curiosity, I think that just across the board of uh, Christians and non-christians um there's been a tremendous downgrade in in curiosity, and I don't want to oversimplify it. i'm I'm sure that it has to do with more than what I'm about to say, but i I definitely blame cell phone and social media culture for a lot of that we are We are so utterly distracted um, um. that we we no longer have time to consider. We no longer have time to uh to, to uh, experience wonder or to embrace curiosity and to follow that through to an end that is that is something that that we are absolutely losing in our culture. And it, it makes complete sense when you are distracting yourself all day, every day with devices and technology. Um, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to have space in your life for, for curiosity and and, follow, and following ideas through. It's not going to happen.
0: So we need to pause. We need to breathe. I think mm-hmm. that's, what's so fun about the relationships we have in our own organization and I will use this time and Shannon can say whatever he wants to it and you as well, Jason, I will use this time to say, we're trying to build community. Uh, we're not interested in building a, you know, an individual church. That's not what we are. We're a nonprofit for a mission. We have a particular mission of facilitating, uh, a, you know, the life of the mind in the church. So that includes intellectual approaches, spiritual formation approaches, but we see ourselves as helping the church and helping to facilitate the church in promoting the life of the mind and the Christian worldview. But in doing so, we're also trying to foster relationships. We want to be a part of a revival. We want to be a part of God's ever moving Holy spirit across the globe. And we understand that he's doing different things in different places, but we understand the context of the state of Alabama. And if you're listening, please uh, email us. Uh, I'm Matt at tacticalfaith.com. Shannon is what is yours?
1: Shannon.Poe at TacticalFaith.com And
0: you're, what, Jason at TacticalFaith.com?
2: Jason at TacticalFaith.com
0: And we are, you know, even though we're for the state of Alabama, we live in Birmingham, Alabama, we're trying to do more things in Huntsville and Mobile. We did a grassroots kind of meeting in Huntsville last year. Um, Our executive director, Travis, who's been on here a couple of times, is trying to do some more things in Mobile and Montgomery. We want. We want you, if you're out there listening and and you would like to be a part of what we're doing, uh, email us, uh, call us. Um, We are all involved in other things, and this is is what makes this ministry so fun. Uh, Listen, we could be all doing other things. We're sitting here creating this particular podcast, and we all have lives. And my children are next door playing with Shannon's children in my basement. Mm -hmm. Um, Our wives have enjoyed watching us do what we do. My wife was telling me today in a parking lot, you know, I don't have a husband that goes to bars or hunts or fishes, even though I know you like to do hunting and fishing. I have a husband that likes to go hang around and talk about Christ and what a what a blessing that is, you know, and that's because I have people like you, Jason and Shannon and others in our group. And uh, I'll just take this time to say, if you're out there, you want to be a part of what we're doing. You want to help Uh, whether that's financially or you just feel like, hey, I can help by writing this or help with creating and facilitating content or even helping with an event, email us, contact us, start following us on our website and our social media. Uh, We'll be pushing out more events. Um, Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, and if you would like to meet me at a bar and talk about Jesus, I'd be more than willing to do that. (laughs) Sure. As long as it's not Hooters.
0: We will go pretty much practically anywhere moral, to meet and talk. That's and right. Me yeah. and Shannon before have gone to a lot of places to talk to a lot of people. <laughs> One time we had a guy who used to be a part of our group who called us. You remember we went uh, an hour north in Gardendale and met him at a pizza place to try oh, to rope him yeah. in. Yeah, right? that's
1: right. I think I lost my grandfather's jacket that I had had for like 15 years on that trip. Yeah, we met him at the pizza joint. Yeah.
0: I mean, we, we think so much of what we're doing.
1: Calgar? Yeah,
0: Jonathan. Yeah. He's a good guy. Uh he moved off and that's great and he's doing other things in his life. Um now that we're mentioning him we'll just you know, we'll at him on our social media. <laughs>
1: yeah, thing. we'll we'll have to we'll have to touch base <laughs> with him somehow now that we mentioned him on, on the podcast, yeah.
0: So Jason, what do you have going on? Do you have anything particular that you're writing on? Uh what are you gonna be producing in the future?
2: Yep. Yeah, uh the probably the biggest thing I've got a number of, of ideas that are, are cooking and in, in, in various uh states of construction but uh probably the biggest one right now is uh is a series uh of articles um uh basically kind of chroni- chronicling uh my thoughts on on the christian's relationship to politics
1: <gasps> and <marriage>. not politics <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: and, uh, and it, it it's kind of taking a, a little bit of a of a different approach so so we'll see. Uh, first of all, we'll see if I can even get them published on the Tactical Faith website, and then if I can, uh, we'll see how how people respond to it. I'm
1: sure you will. I'm sure it'll be fine. And
0: that sounds like a whole another forty minute podcast such, on politics. Heck, we could take yeah. a a six podcast episode just on politics and our Let's relationship. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's we
1: lo- such a hot topic right now. Oh my gosh. I mean, politics are always something that we have to think about. And I know you were trying to shut, kind of put a bow on this thing but man i mean i've never seen things so divided i don't want things to be divided i want jesus to bring unity but at the same time like as soon as i say that i remember i didn't come to you know unify i I came to bring a sword you know so it's like i want to dig into what jason has to say and think about some of these ideas about how you know we can try to be a unifying force with people while still staying true to the gospels kind of basic mandate of, uh, you know, being kind of divisive in some ways.
0: So it's, it's the unity and diversity kind of idea. What are me and you unified from, you know, we, we probably, you look at your DNA test and my DNA test. We probably have some things that are common, some things that are not. Right, so we're we're not particularly totally unified that way. Well, look at our educational background. I mean, m- you know, maybe we're unified, maybe we're not. Maybe you're more science. I'm not. I know you're not, but I'm just kind of <laughs> trying to make a point. So, I, uh, so well, what about our standards? Well, we're more unified that way, right? We have more moral standards that we can be unified. But I'm sure if we broke it down, there's still things that you be- you believe that I probably don't believe. Uh, the way that I view Christianity is unicorns. You don't believe in no, unicorns. I don't believe in unicorns. Dang. So my daughter probably wished they they existed. But Ruby I t- does. but what but even though you say we don't bring unity, we do bring Jesus. He's my Lord. Yeah. Right? And he he is the uni- he is the unity of all diversity. He's the one that we can all unify under. And the fun thing about the Lagos is there's there's this ability to find yourself when you lose yourself in him. So in other words, I become more Matt Burford when I give Matt Burford holy to Jesus Christ. So even in my own life, the, uh, there's a diversity, but that's uni- there's a unifying thing about being under the lordship of Jesus. Yeah. And so in other words, we're not unified necessarily under the same... Uh, I'm, I'm talking about humanity as a whole. Yeah, we yeah. can't unify ourselves politically all the time. We can't unify ourselves morally all the time, and and principally all the time by 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 ideas. Um, but what but what what are we unified
1: on? Yeah, I mean, being faithful to Jesus is we can be faithful to Christ and try to be un you, try to connect with people as much as possible, and. Jesus's message is so radical and universal at the same time. Talk about a paradox, right? That we don't really have to worry about. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think the Christian should ever worry about being divisive. Maybe, maybe there are some circumstances where a Christian would oh, need to need yeah. to come in and, and be divisive about a particular subject matter. But what my my point there is that christ christ's message is obviously divisive enough without us having to kind of try and churn it up to make it even more so yeah so it's like just let jesus do his work and you might you know some you know the the axe might fall down in a particular you know conversation but then at the same time in another conversation you're actually expressing the same things and like jason talked about earlier you know you get that quiet contemplative reaction from the person you're talking to. And suddenly you realize, man, Jesus is working here, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, another podcast we could talk about, Jason, Jason is unity and diversity. Uh, it's kind of sad to me that these most of our colleges are built on these, uh, the what used to be Christian ideals in these Christian colleges of unity and diversity. Even the core curriculum in modern universities is built on the idea that Christ releases you to be curious about the world. Everything that's truth is God, you know. But now you look at secular institutions that don't even that try to jettison out the religious principles, especially Christianity. And then you look at something like a core curriculum and think it doesn't make any sense. Just go be an in. Just go be an engineer. You don't need arts, you know. Uh, right. But, but that I guess we're getting off. There are so many things that we could talk about. I am excited about where tactical faith is going. I'm excited about bringing people like Jason aboard. There are so many things percolating uh, with tactical faith lately. Uh, I don't even know how to keep up with it all. You know, I'm glad for Jason. I am, I am glad and blessed for Shannon. I'm blessed with the other people that we have involved. I'm telling you, um, there are so many opportunities to serve with us. There are so many opportunities to serve in our community Um, there, there's, there is so many great things that are ahead of us and we hope to have you back on Jason. In fact, I would love for you to be, um, regular, a regular, you know, I would love for Shannon to be a regular, but what a great opportunity for you guys that are listening to get a little kind of, uh, behind the curtain scene of all the players, uh, that are involved with tactical faith. You've, you've got, um, to hear from Travis Who's going to come on more? He's actually working on his own podcast about philosophy. Uh, you've had, you've got to, you've been introduced to Mark Hutton a couple of times. Who's part of our fast pastor fellow program? Um, I cannot believe the things that God has allowed us to do with practically no resources. Hmm. Uh, we're just a ragtag group of guys that uh, that love the Lord as much as we can, and we're growing hopefully towards becoming more Christ-like. Ah, uh, but boy, Jason, that that sounds eerily like uh, early early church kind of thing, doesn't it? Just a bunch yes, of yes. people with no re- resources just going after a mission.
2: Yeah, I'm, and I'm I'm all for it. I think we need I think we need more of it and and not less.
1: Amen.
0: A- agreed. I, well, Jason, thank you so much. Um, next time we talk to you, we're going to talk about politics, and uh, hopefully, we're going to see some of your stuff. Uh, up on um, posted if you don't know how to get to our stuff Shannon tell tell everybody out there where to come see our stuff
1: tacticalfaith.com and uh, we've also got obviously everything linked on that website to uh, our various social channels we've got I think we're on Facebook Instagram Twitter and obviously YouTube if you haven't been to YouTube or to our website to check out our past events um you need to go there. There's so many things that we've gotten videoed from past uh, past speakers. Um, people like Gary Habermas, people like Jay Warner Wallace. Actually, I don't know if we actually, we we do have a Google Hangout with Jay Warner Wallace, don't we? Um, Habermas is one of my favorites. But anyway,
0: Craig Keener, so, uh, so many, so Dan many Wallace, yeah, so I many mean,
1: good resources there good good places for conversation so yeah well
0: alright well thank you Jason and we will talk to you later
1: give us a like
2: yeah on thanks Tactical a lot guys. it was fun I enjoyed it
0: thank you so much for spending your time listening to the Tactical Faith Podcast we consider it our calling to help the state of Alabama grow in the Lord especially in the areas of apologetics and theological training. If you want to know more about what we have in store for the future, please go to tacticalfaith.com or search for us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We need your help. Please contact us, email us, get a hold of us. We'd love to know if we can help your community group or your church bring solid theological training to your people. Thanks again.